Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. For this week, we continue with Perakei Mishnah Chaf, Chapter 5, Mishnah 20. The Mishnah reads, Any dispute that is for the sake of heaven, it will be miskayim. It will last. We'll explain what that means. And a dispute that is not for the sake of heaven, it will not last. Now, the Mishnah continues, What is an example of a, of a dispute that was for the sake of heaven? And the Mishnah answers, This is the dispute between the great sage Hillel and the great sage Shammai. And what is a dispute that is not for the sake of heaven that the Mishnah is using as the example? What's an example of a dispute that's not for the sake of heaven? This is the dispute of Korach and all of his followers. Now, the Mishnah seems to be giving us insight into disputes. A dispute that is based in I guess, sanctity, that it's for the sake of heaven, and we're going to learn what that means. And on the other hand, you have a dispute that's not for the sake of heaven. And the when you when people argue for the L'shem Shemayim, as the Mishnah says, so the Mishnah says it, it will last. And when people argue not L'shem Shemayim, not for the sake of heaven, so the Mishnah says it, it, it does not last. The two examples that we use are is the dispute between Hillel and Shammai, which was for the sake of heaven, and the dispute between Korach and his followers with Moshe Rabbeinu is the classic example which is used to show an argument that was not for the sake of heaven. Now, it's interesting to always note the connection to the previous Mishnah. And we know that in the last Mishnah, we discussed the concept of true love and false love. The Mishnah said, that any love that is dependent upon something else, something external, it's not going to last. But a love that's not the, dependent on external factor, it will last. And the Mishnah is really continuing along this idea because we came out from the last Mishnah that when something is not rooted properly, it, it doesn't last. But when something has a basis, a foundation, it can continue for, for forever. Now, the Mishnah continues that this line of thought with, with a discussion of disputes and arguments. We're going to discuss different points about this Mishnah, but that's just an interesting connection between the last Mishnah and Mishnah 20, which is our Mishnah for tonight. Now, a few questions which I want to bring up before we delve into some of the lessons which I want to bring out for this week's Mishnah. Number one, 
What does it mean, a machlokes, which is the word for dispute, l'shem shamayim? What does it mean, a dispute for the sake of heaven? That's the first question I wanted to ask. And on the flip side, number two, what does it mean, a machlokes, a argument, a dispute, that's not l'shem shamayim, that's not for the sake of heaven? And number three is we say that if it, the dispute is for the sake of heaven, it will last. Right? It will last. That's how I'm literally translating it. And if it's not L'shem Shamayim, if it's not for the sake of heaven, it will not last. What does that mean? So we have three questions, pretty much. What does it mean, L'shem Shamayim? What does it mean, not L'shem Shamayim? Right? Not for the sake of heaven. And number three is, what does it mean it will endure or will it will not endure? So it's important to preface that the Rambam, Maimonides, explains the difference. That he says when a person is arguing in order to get to the truth, in order to understand, so that's a machloikis, which is l'shem shemaim. We see many times in the Gemara, in the Talmud, rabbis arguing with each other, fighting with each other as to what is the correct opinion, what is the correct halacha. And this is something which is extremely common. And you know, the, the joke is, is you have two Jews and three opinions, right? It didn't just come from nowhere. We see that the Gemara itself is full of examples where the, the Tanoim, the authors of the Mishnah and the, the authors of the Gemara the, or, or, or personalities in the Mishnah and personalities in the Gemara are arguing with each other. And actually, you see certain pairs of people that are constantly arguing with each other. And the classic example of that is Hillel and Shammai, which the Mishnah lists. But there are many such examples of pairs of rabbis that are constantly arguing with each other, right? Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yechanan. Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yechanan is another example. Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Rav and Shmuel. And the Gemara is full of different examples of the different Tanoim and Amoroim. Those are the, the sages in their respective times that are arguing with each other. They, they didn't have a personal animosity to each other, but rather they're trying, they were trying to get to the truth. They wanted to understand what's the correct halacha. What is, what is, um, what is the Torah's opinion on a matter? They didn't have a hate towards each other because they had a difference of opinion. So the Ramam explains that when, when people argue in order to get to that truth, to get to the MS, which is truth in Hebrew, the words that are spoken will have an impact and be remembered even if we don't follow the opinion of the other party. That if two sides are involved in a dispute, which is for the sake of God, to understand what the Torah says, to, under to understand what the correct thing to do is. So even if it comes out that we're not going to follow his opinion, his words and his opinion will be remembered. And it because it's, in order for us to get to the correct halacha, in order to get to the correct decision, he was needed, his opinion was needed in order to get to the correct opinion, and therefore he will always be remembered.
And the example which the Mishnah gives is the example of Hillel and Shammai, which, which is the paradigm of such a relationship where they argue with each other in many areas of the Talmud, but yet we know the Gemara brings down that the students of Beis Shammai and the students of Beis Hillel would not hold back from marrying into each other. They would marry into each other's families, meaning that they got along with each other and they respected each other's opinion. And that's what it means, L'Shem Shamayim. That when we argue to understand, when we're arguing in, in, in learning, it's very common in the yeshiva system and, and just in general, when people study Talmud together or whenever people study Torah together, it's very common to study in a pair. Two people or three people, they'll study together in order to gain clarity because when you have two minds, that's better than one mind. And many times when one person reads a verse in the Torah or in the Talmud, they'll have a different understanding than the other person. And if, the, and if we have a different opinion than someone else, if we truly want to get to the truth and don't have our own egos involved, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having an opinion in the Torah. And um, this is something which means L'Shem Shemayim for the sake of heaven. Now, getting to our second question, but when a person has ego, arrogance, they'll quote unquote use the word, it's the principle, or they have ahavas hanitzchan, which is translated as love of winning. They just want to win, win, win. That's all they care about. They don't care about what's correct. They just want to win the argument. So that's a argument, a dispute that's not L'Shem Shemayim, that's not for the sake of heaven, because it's for himself. He doesn't care about finding the truth and what Hashem wants. It's about himself. It's about his ego. It's about winning. And even if it comes out that this dispute is around for many years, it will eventually be forgotten. That is the example of a of a dispute which is not L'Shem Shemayim. It's when our ego, when our I get involved in it, the big I, capital I, and we're not able to see past that. We're not interested in what's correct. It's about all about us. And that's why the Mishnah uses the example of Korach and his followers. Because Korach and his followers were the classic example where external factors, not necessarily looking what Hashem wants, what God wants, but rather, what does my ego need? What is my, what do I need for my honor? Because Korach was one of the leaders of the Jewish people. And it bothered him that his cousin, Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Kohen, he felt that they're getting too much leadership. They're getting too powerful. Too much nepotism is in the family. And he felt he was more worthy of the leadership in the Jewish people. And because of that envy, he decided to wage a revolt against Moshe Rabbeinu and try to overthrow him. What started out with noble intentions ended out with Korach and his followers denying God, which followed with him being swallowed up into the ground. So many times we have noble intentions but deep, deep down, or maybe we think we have noble intentions, but the truth is, is that deep down, it's 
the the cause to the dispute that we have is ego is arrogance is desire for honor it's the correct it's the incorrect intentions and that's what it means a dispute that is not lashem shamayim and that's probably most of our arguments that we have it's very hard for us to tap into a feeling that we believe in something so much that where there's no external factors that we're sure that the decision we're making is totally for the sake of Hashem. It's something very hard to get to. I'm not saying it doesn't exist and doesn't mean that we never have to take a stand on things, but it's not such an easy level to attain. And the third question, which we discuss, is that what does it mean that will endure or will not endure? So some commentaries explain that, that it, it means that besides for the dispute itself, it means that the, the, the question in dispute, the question that's being argued, it will be around, it will continue. So if it's, if, it's a, if it's a true desire to get to the clarity in Torah, to get to understanding, so then, like I said before, even if we don't follow that opinion, it'll still be remembered. As we see with the, the classic examples throughout the Gemara, Beishamai, Beis Hillel, Reish Lakish, Rabbi Yochanan, Rav and Shmuel, so on and so forth. That the opinions of both of them, of both of these great sages, of all, all the different sages throughout the Gemara, that they're the desire to get to the truth and therefore they are still remembered for our, all generations. On the flip side, Korach and his followers and all these other disputes that we have in the that involve people that did not have pure intentions, that even if we think whatever they're trying to stir up seems like it's lasting, in the end of the day, it will not succeed. And it's interesting, some commentaries explain that when it says the it will not endure, the Mishnah says, that the it's referring to the people involved in a dispute. That if a person has the correct intentions when he's having an argument, it's for the sake of God, truly, truly is for the sake of God. So then he will endure it. He will live a long life. But if someone starts a fight, a argument, and some of that ego is in there, some of that arrogance is in there, so then that they will not endure. They will not live. It's a, it's not a good thing. And we're going to discuss a little bit later the importance of staying away from machlokas, staying away from disputes. So, so for, the, for our first understanding of the Mishnah is on a simple level is that it's referring to understanding and Torah knowledge and making sure that we don't get our ego involved in the disputes that we get involved with. It's getting to the truth and what Hashem wants. Now, a few points which I wanted to bring out tonight from our Mishnah. Number one is that we say in the Mishnah, L'Shem Shamayim. It's a very important phrase to have in our mind. It's for the sake of heaven. Now, there's one important factor, which I, I talk about a lot, and it's always good to review, is that Judaism is unique because it gives us the ability that everything we do in life, we have the ability to uplift it and elevate it. That from the, mon, from the most mon, mundane actions to the most spiritual, we have the ability to elevate everything we do. And if a person has the correct intentions, everything can be considered a mitzvah. 
So the first point, which I want to make, is that when we talk about L'shem Shemaim for the sake of heaven, we should really try that all aspects in our lives can be L'shem Shemaim, whether it be eating, whether it be drinking, whether it be taking a vacation, if we have the correct intentions in mind. Why do we eat? Why do we go to work? Is it because we just want to make money or is it because we want to have money to serve Hashem, to give to charity, to support worthy causes? Do we go on a vacation just because we want a vacation? No. Or is it because we want to rejuvenate ourselves? No pun intended. Or we want to be, we, we want to be able to serve Hashem better. So anything we do, we have the ability to turn into a mitzvah if we have that L'shem Shemayim outlook, that um, for the sake of heaven outlook, that we should try to look at things that we do and have in mind to have good intentions. And you know what? There's an expression, fake it till you make it. You know, for certain things, we don't want to be fakers. But for, for other as certain aspects in our life, there's nothing wrong with saying something, even if you're not there. So a person might say to themselves, well, I should tell myself I'm eating, so I should serve God better. Oh, who am I tricking? I'm eating because I like to have ice cream. I like to have pizza. No. So the answer is you should trick yourself. Because when a person tells himself, I'm eating because I want to keep myself strong. I'm taking a vacation because I want to serve Hashem better. When you verbalize these thoughts, it goes into you. You will become that person eventually. Maybe it won't happen the first time or the second time. But after a short amount of time, what you say will go into you and you'll start becoming that person faster than you realize. That's one point of being L'shem Shemayim. Another thought which I wanted to bring out with this concept of L'shem Shemayim for the sake of heaven is that when we are involved with a, in a conflict with somebody or we disagree with somebody, right? It happens. What's the reason? What's the root cause of the argument with another? So many times we'll think about it it's because I'm right. They did this to me. They wronged me. How could they have done this and this action towards me? I'm in the right. I am not incorrect. I'm he, they're incorrect. They're wrong. And that's the normal reaction the person has when they're in a dispute with another person, when they're in a conflict with another. But if we look deep within ourselves and we think about a situation, we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. Is there any jealousy in, involved in this decision that I'm making and this conflict that I'm having? Is there honor in the equation? Is it about my ego, which maybe was hurt? Because in the end of the day, when we're involved in something, we have to ask ourselves, is, it, is this L'shem Shemayim? Am I just doing this because I have ulterior motives? Because in the end of the day, it's not necessarily just about us. There's a bigger picture. There's the honor of Hashem, honor of God. And there's also asking ourselves, what does Hashem want of us? What does he expect us to do in a situation? Does he want us to continue to be fighting with another? Does he want us to maybe give in a little bit, to be a little bit more flexible? Does he want us to fight, to argue with another person? 
And a lot of times we tell ourselves when we're involved in an argument, it's not because of me, it's the principle. I put that in quotes with my fingers. It's the principle. Usually when it's about the quote unquote principle, it means it's about you. And these are things we should think about when we're involved in an argument with someone else. I'm not saying that we have to be taken advantage of, but most arguments happen either because of a lack of communication or there's a misunderstanding. And as the expression goes, it takes two to tango. And the biggest, I guess, sign of honor that you can have, that we can have, is to, I guess, humble ourselves and end this and end the fight, to end the argument. And that's actually the third point which I wanted to bring out. Because when we remember that true honor is found by those that are able to lower themselves and show respect to everybody, no matter what, that's the truly, truly honorable one. The one who could stop a fight, who can apologize, can bring himself to hear and respect another's opinion, even when you think they're not as smart as you, they're not as good as you, or they even wronged you. That is a truly honorable person. And that really ties into this idea of machlokas, which I wanted to talk about, because of dispute. Because we know that machlokes, dispute, is compared to a fire. That just like a fire, and I think we've discussed this before in other mishnas, in other podcasts, a machlokes is considered like a fire. And a fire at a certain point, it can be lost control of. A fire at a certain point loses control. It just goes. It engulfs everything and anything in its path. And we should be careful with our own interactions with others to stay away from machlokas, right? Even though the mission is talking about a, a machlokas, a dispute that's for the sake of heaven, someone who is, gets into a fight for the sake of God, that is, will last. And it seems like it, it, it's, it, it will continue, it'll it'll have a constructive purpose to it. We should know ourselves that the risk of a machlokis, of a dispute is so powerful. It's like a fire. And just like a fire, you have to be extremely careful that it's, you don't lose control or it doesn't catch fire to something else. So too, when we get involved in a situation, an argument, a dispute, we have to realize that we could potentially get swallowed up into the, into this inferno which is known as Machlokas. And we have to be extremely careful when we're dealing with other people, try to work things out peacefully, to work things out in an in a easy way. And we should try not to go down that road where we're going to get into an altercation with somebody else. Even if we truly are correct, we're always, if we're going to be, to- even if we're going to be totally in the, in the good, we think we're doing everything properly it still is always the best to stay away from a fight. And I think sometimes the mentality within ourselves 
You know, you got to stand up for your rights. You got to stand up for yourself. Maybe it's a more of an American mentality. But we have to realize as God-fearing Jews that that's not the way of the Torah. The way of the Torah is to stay away from altercation and to stay away from disputes, to keep the peace, to keep the peace. We know that there is no bigger blessing than peace. A person can ever can have everything in the world. If he doesn't have peace, he has nothing. So it's something we should keep in mind that although there is a level of having a dispute for the sake of God, and you know, many times there have been disputes throughout our ages, even very, very, I guess, fiery disputes between great rabbinic leaders about different with halach, different halachic ramifications to it. And it got very intense. You know, we have to realize and understand ourselves that we're not necessarily at that level where we can have a dispute purely for the sake of heaven. Because for all of us, it's very hard for us to separate our ego, our, our honor, ourself with a, a with another, with a, with, a, with a dispute when we're having a dispute. So really the best course of actions for us is to stay away from it. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a, it's a protection and it's a blessing for him, his family, and his community. Um, and just to, really, there's a, there's a few beautiful ideas which I wanted to share about shalom, peace, and the importance of staying away from machlokas. The first one is, is that we know that the first Beis Amikdash, the first temple and the second temple were both destroyed. but the, the, the years or the amount of time that the Jewish people were in exile after the first temple was only 70 years. That's in contrast to the second base on Migdash, the second temple where the Jewish people, right, were still in exile from the second temple. So the question is why? Why was it that the Jews who lived after the time of the first base on Migdash they were able to rebuild the temple again within 70 years. And us now, after the destruction of the second temple, we're still in exile. What's the difference? What did they do right that we have not been able to, to correct? And the answer is that the Jews of the time of the first temple, that even though they committed sins, they got along with each other. So even though the temple had to be destroyed because of different sins of, of murder, idol worship, and adultery, but they got along with each other. So they were able to fix up what needed to be fixed up very quickly and merit having the second temple. As opposed to the, to the second base on Mikdash, when it was destroyed, it was destroyed primarily because of sinas chinam, baseless hatred. It means that the Jewish people did not get along with each other. They fought with each other. And that's something we are still dealing with the ramifications, trying to rectify that original sin thousands of years later. So it just shows us the importance of keeping the peace. We talk about keeping the peace. So we might say to ourselves, who am I? What does my action do 
to rectify this problem of sinas chinam, baseless hatred? What can I do about it? What can we do, little, little me, little I, to help fix this sin which has plagued the Jewish people for generations? So the Chavetz Chaim, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan, who passed away in about 1933, one of the great sages of the last generation, he writes that if one town, one small village is able to perform the mitzvah of shalom, to get along with each other properly, to do it right, that village, that small town has the ability to bring Mashiach. So the message for us is that we, we don't have to start a revolution to fix this sin, to bring Mashiach, to get the Jewish people to get along with each other. We have to work on ourselves. And if our small group of friends, our small community, if we can do this together, no matter where we are, no matter who we're with, we can do it. We can, we can bring Mashiach. And it's just something to think about, the power of peace. And on a, on a second thought, on a, a second idea, which I wanted to sh- share, which is also a very practical way for a person to avoid machlokas, is having a shalom fund. And this is also something which the Chavetz Chaim brings down. He says that a person should designate extra funds, some extra funds, a few dollars here, a few dollars there, put it in an envelope. And the next time someone has an argument with you about you owe them money, they owe you money, even if you're in the right, you take from that fund that you set aside already. It makes it easier when you know you have a fund available to take from to make up any money you might have lost or might have gotten to, into an argument about. So you take from that fund. And therefore, it makes it a little easier. The point is, is that Chavetz Chaim is giving us ideas, practical ideas that we should all think in ways that we could help ourselves get along with people better whether it be monetarily avoiding monetary fights with people or whether it be other small disagreements because we know small disagreements turn into large disagreements. It's, you know, for some of you might have heard me talk about how the the famous fight between the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? The two families that live on the border of West Virginia and Kentucky, that there's a generation's fight between these two families, and even people have gotten killed because of the dispute that has gone on for generations between them. It's become part of the culture in the area of the country, the Hatfields and the McCoys. You could look it up. So according to some historians, it began over a dispute over a farm animal. And now for generations, these two families have hated each other. People have gotten killed, lives have been ruined over a farm animal. So the point is that many, most big fights start from something small. And if we could think of ways of heading off that argument, getting ahead of the curve, making a shalom fund, a peace fund, where we take extra money that we have, a few dollars here, a few dollars there, which can add up, put in an envelope, right? And we take out of it if we, you know, there's a question of money arises. So now we have no reason to get upset at someone. 
But the point is that we're using ingenuity, being smart, getting ahead of the curve over here on not in not getting into a fight with another. Now, the last thought, which I wanted to bring out from this Mishnah for tonight, is, is this idea of agreeing to disagree. Now, nowadays, you hear on the news and in the media that we live in a very polarized country. Everyone has their opinion. And after they have their opinion, they just listen to their own echo chambers, meaning if a person has a conservative outlook, they'll just listen to the conservative news all day and just hear the same opinions. And if someone has a liberal outlook, they'll listen to the liberal media and just hear the same opinions. And everyone is just living in their own echo chamber, not realizing that there are other opinions out there and they can't bring themselves to hear the other side of the coin, to respect the other opinion, right? That's what we are. It's called polarization the polarization of politics, and so on and so forth. So what do I want to bring out of this? Surely do not want to get into politics on this, pod on this podcast. But what I want to bring out is this idea of agreeing to disagree with people, which means that when a person has an outlook that is not necessarily in lockstep with the Torah, they believe in things which are anti the Torah. They're against the Torah. They do things which are incorrect, according to what Hashem says. They're not, they're not doing what's right. So do we hate them? Now, the Torah does say you're supposed to hate people that do Averas. Now, but what does that mean exactly? And I was discussing this today with some other rab rabbis, and they sent me to a Gemara in Brachos, in Talmud Tractate Brachos 10a. And the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says like this. There were certain, I guess, ruffians that were in the neighborhood of Rabbi Meir, the great sage Rabbi Meir. And they caused Rabbi Meir consider, considerable distress. So what did Rabbi Meir do? They're bothering him. So he daven to Hashem that these ruffians should die. Right? And apparent. So Amrlei Beruria Divisu. His wife, whose, whose name was Beruria, said to him, my what, what's your reasoning for praying for their deaths? Why are you davening? Why are you davening to Hashem that these hooligans should die? So our mayor answers. He says, because it's written, let sinners cease from the earth. Right? It says, it says in, in Tehillim and Psalms that the, the people who sin should cease to be. So therefore, he's he's davening they should die. Miksiv choytim. So Bruri asked him, does it say, is it written in the verse in, in Tehillim that the sinners? No, it says chatoyim ksiv. It's written that the, the, the evil should cease. It doesn't say in Tehillim she was correcting her husband, the great sage. She says, why are you praying that they should die? 
it doesn't say that the, that the sinners should cease to exist. It says that the sins, the Averos itself, should not be anymore. That's what, what King David was, was, was saying when he, was, when, he, when he wrote Tehillim, when he wrote Psalms, that the Averos that people do should not be around, not that the, the people who do the Averos should be gone. And she said to him, I'm, I'm skipping a little bit in, in the Gemara, she said, Ela boy, says you should daven to that to Hashem should pray to Hashem for mercy that these hooligans these ruffians should do teshuva and they should turn away from the Yitzhahara from the evil inclination and therefore the absence you know since that they don't have the urge to sin anymore they, the wickedness, the wicked will be no more because they won't be wicked. And what happened? Rabbi Akiva, I'm sorry, Rabbi Meir, boy, Rabbi Meir listened to his wife, Bruria. He davened that they should do teshuva. He stopped davening that they should die, but rather davened that they should repent and you know leave their evil ways. And they repented and they became better. So there's an important idea which we see here. Is that we there we separate the person and the acts that they're doing. So even if we have a person that is doing something incorrect, we still have to look at them as a person and a and the actions that they're doing and try to separate the two. It's not such an easy thing to do, but we need to do it. And that's what Ramayor was doing here. He he his wife gave him advice to look to try to daven that they should stop doing the Averos. It doesn't mean that we should daven that they shouldn't exist. That we look at a person who has maybe a outlook, which is something we don't agree with, which is not the correct outlook. We try to separate their opinion from what the person is because, you know, maybe they're getting sucked in. Their evil inclination has, has them. They're, they're, they're just giving into their desires. But the lesson is that we could separate the two and we try to do that, even though it's a very difficult aspect. So that's just another thought when it comes to difference of opinions of a machlokas. It talks about dispute. So even if we have someone who's not living, not doing correct, not doing the right thing, we have to separate the action and the person. And that's something which is a little bit difficult, but we couldn't do. And with that, I want to finish today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, I really love to hear any feedback that you have. I go through, I do read every email that is sent to me. It's Rabbi Shlomo Cohen with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.